What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the fourth episode of Down to the Wire. My name is Andrew Lee. I'm here with Ben Schmidt, Sahish Nuboyapali, and Anraj Nair. And today we're going to talk about the Fury v. Wilder fight, our NBA predictions for the Rookie of the Year, and, our, and the NFL free agency. All right, guys, let's talk about this historic fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. This is their second matchup um, that they, they faced off before and it was previously a draw. Wilder is 42-0, Fury is 29-0, and they both have one tie. What did you guys think about this fight? Uh, well, I personally, it, it was a good matchup, especially for um, Fury, you know, coming off the rough you know, past couple of years he's had, especially with weight problems, alcoholism, drug addiction, and homelessness, as was mentioned, you know. Um, it's just a lot of these problems, and, you know, he came out on top despite all that. And it was especially against Deontay Wilder, who's 42-0-1, and right? And to give, you know, such a renowned boxer his first loss, it's like if someone gave Mayweather his first loss in the lightweight category. So it's pretty, it's pretty notable. So I think it was overall a pretty good fight. Um... Forget all that. Forget about the fact that he's he's been he's been homeless. Forget about the fact that he's been out of boxing for a little while. He just came back recently. Let's forget about all that. Everyone's been talking about how Wilder was supposed to win this fight. How Wilder was supposed to physically dominate Fury. That didn't happen. It looked absolutely like, not. Within like the first couple rounds, we just kind of saw <laughs> that Fury just was completely mentally dominating Wilder, and he was physically dominating Wilder. It just looked like Wilder couldn't get any ground on him. Just looked like he was he was trying to hide, and um, Fury just had his way that in the fight. It it just was very very clear from um, early on in the fight that it just wasn't gonna go Wilder's way, and um, it was impressive. You know whatever the forty pound uh, you know weight difference or whatever that uh, Fury had that doesn't matter. This is what they agreed to. Both of the competitors, they understood what was going to happen during the fight, so I don't want to hear that. Nonetheless, nothing but props for Tyson Fury for beating uh, Deontay Wilder in the fight. Um, wonderful showing by him. Yeah, for sure. And if you if you rewatch the clip, um, after the second round, which they gave to Wilder, the next five rounds were just a complete, like, an utter disaster. Like, you couldn't see any focus in um, Wilder's eyes, and Fury just kept going at him. Close the distance so that he Wilder couldn't land one of his signature like right hand punches because like those are always good and they always knock out every opponent that he's ever faced. But that was just wasn't the case tonight, and you saw that uh, Fury pretty much took control of this game. Um, knocked him down a couple times too, including a body shot that knocked him down in round five, and and then ultimately they threw in the towel. And did you guys think that was the right the right call? Because Wilder was so mad after that. He, he even fired his trainer after that, too. Like. No, for sure. It was definitely the right call. I mean, he got hit right on the head. You even saw the pictures afterwards. Like, I mean, it, it, it was a bad shot. straight to the jaw. Could have very easily knocked him out. Might have even caused a concussion. We don't know yet, right? But um, it, it was good by the by the um, the judges to call that, you know, immediately, like, a knockout. Because if, if it kept going... Serious injury could have been sustained by Wilder, so you know I think it was a good call. And it wasn't just it wasn't just one hit either. He was no. taking multiple shots, and just after after so many hits like that for for like Andrew said, like the five rounds in a row, sure he's just dominating. It's just they were starting to build up, and and I 
I, I think every fighter is going to be mad when a call like that is made, but it was, I, I think it was for, for the right reasons, just the way the fight had gone, especially for those previous, those previous five rounds. Yeah, I mean, Tyson feared clearly outboxing with technique, and like, um, it was just like a, it was an absolute disaster for Wilder. But uh, later, we it was reported that he wants a third fight, which, is, which they can. There's a rematch clause that, that says that you can have a third fight. Should this even happen? I mean, you saw the first, even the first match when they said it was a draw. Like, that, that could have been Tyson Fury's game too. Like, but do you guys think that? I, I just think it's interesting that that can even happen, that you can have a rematch clause in a contract, because that's something we don't really see in a while. Like, that, that Wilder has the ability to, to exercise that. That's not something we normally see in a lot of other sports. I just think that's interesting whether, whether it happens or not. And it's, it's something I would like to see, see again because I, th I thought it was a good fight. It's just, it's just an intriguing, intriguing part of that sport. I'll let you guys talk a little bit more about whether or not it should happen. I just, I, that's what right away I, I thought about when I heard, of, uh, heard that news come out. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, yeah, it's rarely ever used. Like, you don't really see that with the big-name boxers like um, Anthony Joshua, Canelo, or, you know, uh, uh, Gigi. But what you do notice a lot of the time is that this, this specific contract, one, it's good for, it's, it's good for business, right? These two, play, these two boxers are going to attract a lot of viewers after, you know, their first matchup, which ended in a time, this one, which ended in basically an upset, right? So everyone wants to see what the third one's going to end up being like. And there's going to be hype that's going to be built around that. It's going to be good for business. It's going to be good for the boxers. So overall, I think in terms of a business uh, move, it's really good. Um, and I think it's good for the boxers, too. I think that uh, Tyson Fury, you know, he's getting back into his game now. Um, and then Deontay Wilder, he kind of needs that redemption. You know, that was his first loss. So he kind of has to prove himself again, being like, that doesn't define me as a boxer. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, getting out of my prime. I'm still, you know, at the top of my game. Just being hypothetical here, do you think if that rematch were to happen and Wilder does come back and get that win, and now at this point they're a draw, one Fury, one Wilder, do you think then that would now lead to a fourth one to kind of like a winner take all? Like, I know this is just all hypothetical, but... Do you think that's something that we could see happen if, if the next matchup goes to, to Wilder? Well, I think, yeah, so I think first things first, Wilder needs to win the next one. If there is a next one and he does want a next one, his team wants a next one, he's going to need to win the next one. And after what I just saw, I don't know if, that he, can, if he can win the next one. But, yeah, if he does win the next one, I, just knowing the competitive human beings that these people are, there's no way, there's no way that there's not going to be a fourth fight. There's no way that there's not going to be a winner take all for... Uh, the, for the winner of these uh, you know, four fights. Yeah, it's definitely going to attract a lot of attention if, uh, if Wilder ends up winning the third fight and they won a fourth fight. Like, imagine like selling it all for the ages. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you don't think so? No, I don't I think, think it's, it's gonna probably, gonna If it ends up being a Wilder victory the next one, there will have to be a fourth one. It's just, just, for like, it's just interesting. Like, what, is, what is Fury thinking right now? Like, really the excuse that Wilder's using about, about the costume that I'd, I just... I, I, I would... Cause he has he made a statement since he since Wilder d did that. Cause he also complained that the shot to his ear like messed with his equilibrium or whatever. Because boy, yeah, that's that's what the fight's supposed to do. I mean, like, yeah, I know. It's just it's just be it just be interesting to to hear what to, um what Fury's thinking after all this. Cause he's got to be like I, I beat the dude fair and square or what, and and now I want to rematch. So that that's just an, another interesting point of view yeah. for me. Right now, though, what do you think this means for Wilder's career? Do you think it's over? No, no, no. You you don't win forty two uh, boxing matches and then just lose just because of one loss. You don't 
you know, your boxing career doesn't end. He's still a fantastic boxer. Tyson Fury is just better. Right now, Tyson Fury is better. And um, we just need to see him come back. We just need to see him come back better. And, um, you know, Deontay Wilder, he's a specimen of a human being. I think he's going to come back just fine. But if there is going to be a third match, it's gonna, it's definitely going to be one for the ages. Yeah, for sure. And um, transitioning into the NBA, um, Zion Williamson has has recently shown that he's he's coming for the rookie of the year, and he's had multiple straight games with twenty plus points. And people think that if this continues to go, Zion Williamson could potentially win rookie of the year. What do you guys think about? Isn't there some record he's isn't there isn't weren't isn't there a record for like rookies scoring twenty plus points in multiple games in a row? Isn't that like a record that he's cl- like? Isn't it only like four or five? And isn't he uh, close to that? It's he's one game from tying the NBA record for most consecutive twenty point games as a teenager. As a teenager, okay. Yeah. Who holds the record? Uh, I think Anthony Davis. Huh. I'm not sure though. I think you no, know, it's Carmelo Anthony. It's, Ooh, wow. it's just crazy all the hype that Zion came into the league with, and now that once he's returned from injury. He may be even better than what he was advertised as, which is crazy to think, because he had the the highest expectations since when LeBron was drafted, which is which is crazy that he's he's so far. I know it's a very small sample size, and he hasn't been completely healthy these last couple of years, especially at Duke last year. Now this year, he hasn't been completely healthy. And it's just crazy that that he's playing so well, and he has them now. I think four games out of a playoff spot, yeah. which you, it, it's just New Orleans has got to be thinking. It's just got to be very thankful that they won that draft lottery because um, getting him as kind of a replacement for Anthony Davis and now they have him to pair with Brandon Ingram moving forward to the future is just they, they've got themselves set up in a lot better situation than they were at this time a year ago. I mean, the dude is a teenager, and if you looked at the clips that, that he's been showing, he's been bullying, like, like Steven Adams. Like, I, I saw a clip where he even bullied him out of the paint. Like, the dude is just doing, like, crazy stuff as a teenager. And, like, to me... I think that it warrants even it warrants him in the discussion of rookie of the year. Like it definitely does, even just, though he's missed like he he's out for something to prove and like he's gonna show it. I just don't think we can take away from what John Moran has done for a full season. That's my only problem. If Zion Zion played the whole year, it'd be a runaway Zion Williamson for rookie of the year. It's just John Moran has been so fantastic. It totally changed the direction of that of that team to get them in contention for a playoff spot again. Um, just him, him doing it for an entire year. I just think he's he's a special rookie as well. Maybe not getting the hype that Zion has right now, but he's I, I just don't think Zion's played enough games. I don't think right now, but uh, I just said like it warrants a definitely a discussion a little bit. Uh, I don't really even think it's that close right now, just because of how many games that Zion's played. And on top of that, just thinking, look at the Grizzlies right now from last year when they, they were really just a terrible, terrible team to this year. There really hasn't been much change aside from uh, John Moran entering and uh, Mike Conley going to the Jazz. There really hasn't been that much change, and despite that fact, they're an eight seed team now. You know, um, I just think it's just incredible what John Moran's been able to do in Memphis. Him and Jaron Jackson, they're they're proven to be one of the best tandems, young tandems in the NBA. Dylan Brooks has been pretty good. Too. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's, I but like for the Pelicans, they have Lonzo, they have Josh Hart, they have. Brandon Ingram, they have uh, the new kid, Jackson Hayes. Uh, they have uh, Zion, obviously. They just have so many, so many different pieces that um, that are still developing, and we know that they can become, they become what we think they can become. 
that we know that they're going to be a fantastic team, but to see Ja doing that without the names that the Pelicans have is just incredible. Just real quick, if if in the, this last month or so, however much left of the season, if somehow Pelicans were to slide into the eight seed and the and Memphis fall out, does that change your decision at all? Or are you still Jaw all the way? Because I'm still Jaw all the way. I don't think I don't think the playoff should should affect that. Yeah, uh, I think it does affect that because you think about where the Pelicans were before Zion came on the team, but and if Zion is the reason that the Pelicans make the playoffs, then, yeah, absolutely does change my pick. But right now, knowing what I know, knowing what we know, I should say, the, the Grizzlies are going to make the playoffs for all we know. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now, that's all that matters, and I think that's why the rookie of the year should be going to John Moran. Who's the better player right now? Um, Zion. Right now? Zion. I, <clears throat> that's, that's a tough question. I, I just don't think that we've seen – uh, them carry their teams enough to, or long enough. I mean, I guess that's fair, but like at, at a certain point in the season, the Pelicans were at the bottom of the Western Conference, right? And then now Zion has dragged them from the pits of hell, and they're now like the ninth seed, four games behind Memphis. So I, th- I think it does warrant the fact that Zion has such a massive impact on, on the Pelicans. But, you know, like, I don't know. Ja, like Ja, he he's done really good stuff for the Grizzlies. He's built their chemistry, and he's an absolutely godlike playmaker. And his future looks very bright. But as of the moment, right now, Zion Williamson is a terror on the court. I just think it's great that we're even like having this discussion right now because these are two kids who were who were playing in the in the NCAA tournament last year, and now we're talking as, as them being some of the best players in the NBA, rising stars. They're gonna be. They're going to be running the league when we have guys like LeBron retire in a, in a couple of years. So I just think them ascending that fast to being to being really good players just a is just a great thing for the league. You know, um, you know, back in the draft, back in uh, whatever June or whatever when it was, um, you know, RJ Barrett. They were we haven't really even seen anything from RJ Barrett. It's really just been those two guys in their rookie class, and it's they've been fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to the what the league's going to be holding for the, in the future. Shifting to the other big award, we have the MVP. Who do you, who do you guys think is going to win it? Giannis. I'm going to have to go with Giannis back-to-back. Um, he's just been fantastic again. Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's record speaks for itself, and he's just playing great basketball. Yeah, Giannis, uh, for sure. Um, it's, it's not even close, I, I don't feel. Averaging 31 points in 30 minutes, what, what is it, like 12 rebounds, 6 yeah. assists, something like that. Um, two years ago, 27 points. 10 rebounds, like 7 assists in 37 minutes. He's just been that dominant this year. I, I just don't even – I think LeBron's the next closest, and I just don't think it's even that close. So you, think, so you don't think there's uh, anyone challenging Giannis for the MVP? No, I, I think he's really cemented himself as the, one of the top players in the NBA. I think that this, he might have a chance to go as a second unanimous MVP. You guys feel that the same way? That would, that would not surprise me at second all. Unit, yeah, for sure. Especially what Steph did in the 2015-2016 season where he took 73-9. and nine. The Bucks are – I can see them winning at least 70 games. So if, if Steph could do it, Giannis can definitely do it. And his last, his last time he won the MVP, his speech was, don't congratulate me until we win the championship. Do you think if he gets the MVP, do you think there's just the, the Bucks themselves are going to win the championship? Um – I, I don't think so, it really matters yeah, like whether or not he wins the MVP. I, I don't think Giannis cares. He doesn't care. Yeah, he, he doesn't care. Yeah, all Giannis wants to do is win. He he's, he's got that killer instinct right now. And I, we just haven't seen that from anyone. And when Joel Embiid, he said that uh, he was the best player <laughs> in the world, 
the amount of disrespect that Giannis gave Joel Embiid. He said he gave him 31 points in what was it like like high 20 minutes. Yeah, it was. It was it's ridiculous, and it's it just he's just saying you're not even in my you're not in my weight class. You're not in my league. And I mean, Giannis did comment on that uh, Embiid's comment and said, you know, if, if Embiid wants to think that he can go ahead, I like that confidence. It it just kind of shows how like. Giannis doesn't need the approval. He knows exactly what he is. He is that monster. He is that kind of killer on the court. So I think that um, if anyone ha- the highest chance of going to the finals, it's definitely the Bucks. He just needs Giannis needs someone else to step up more than they do actually. Because we saw um, in the Middleton. in the conference finals, Middleton yeah. did not have yeah. a good series at all. He's yeah. got to play a lot better He's- because. Didn't didn't Giannis even foul out one of the games in the conference finals last year? And, game four. And and, and no one else on his four. team could close out the job. So it was game four. Someone else has got to step up for that team. Middleton has been doing it though. He dropped yeah. forty points against the Wizards last night, right? Yeah. Which led the team. And I mean, I think like Middleton stepped yeah. up big. Time. No, I I totally believe Middleton can. Game. It's just we haven't seen yeah. him do it, and he sh- he shrunk he shrunk. We last should year. wait for the playoffs because I, a lot of these players change. Yeah, I, I don't know that Middleton can be the second best player on a championship team. Um, I, I think, like, we saw Kevin Love when, like, I think it's the same thing as Kevin Love. I think he needs to be the third guy. I don't know who the second guy is. I don't know who they can bring in to be that uh, Robin to uh, Giannis. But whoever that is, I don't. I just don't know if it's Chris Middleton. But, you know, that remains to be seen. And uh, the dominant season that Giannis has had, you know, anything can be possible in the, in the playoffs. The thing about the Bucks is... We see some of these teams, kind of like the Lakers, where behind Braun and AD, they don't really know who's going to get them, who's going to be their third highest score. They're kind of top heavy and not as much bench depth. Like the, the the Bucks are just from top to bottom have a lot of have a lot of good players. Really, just one great player, and then you got Middleton, you got Brooke Lopez, you got Eric Bledsoe, you got um, Middleton. So there's just a lot of depth on that team, a lot more than the, the other the other. Um, great teams in the NBA, and I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but they're they're definitely built differently. No, yeah, it's strange. Their whole team is built around Giannis. They just have a bunch of average players around a superstar. Which makes him, which gives him the stronger case for the MVP, in my opinion, because yeah. if you look at LeBron James, he, he's surrounded by, like, talent on his team, so, like, it's, it's not necessarily that. I think, yeah, I think it does give him a good case for the MVP yeah, over LeBron James. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily a talent situation where uh, it's just because Giannis has had more talent or less talent versus LeBron, Le- versus LeBron having AD. I think it's just a matter of Giannis, Giannis is playing. He, Giannis has just been dominant this season. It just doesn't seem like anyone's on his level. The the night that the Bucks played the Lakers, dropped thirty four on uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Just making threes too. It was, it was ridiculous. It just didn't. It, it looked like nobody could touch him on the court, and it just even. It didn't even look like LeBron and AD were on the same level that night. I don't know if if Le, if Giannis can do that again. If Giannis can do that on a nightly basis, that that's scary. And he does do that on a nightly. Can we talk basis. about that? His evolution of his jump shot because <clears throat> this season he's been hitting a lot more of those oh, yeah. those shots and. That's crazy when you think about the size and the ability of him. If he can shoot too, then well, we we just we mentioned it. His his killer instinct, like he he's known that that's something that he can improve on, and he he kind of has that mentality. So he's been working on that since since he came to the league. It feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's still so young, and just that's what's what's scary to think. And that you just knew that he was gonna work on it until he could figure it out. And we're we're kind of starting to see that that finally happen this season. To wrap up, let's talk about the NFL draft because I know. The, the 
the combine is coming up, and what do you guys think? What are your projections? So, automatically, well, we saw that the projected number one right now in the in the draft is Joe Burrow, and his preliminary, uh, you know, combine stuff. There was a little joke, you know, because his hand size it's nine inches across, and that was a little joke they made. But I don't think hand size is going to be a big issue. He's pretty fast. What does he run? Like a four point? I'm pretty sure he runs a four point eight. We'll see soon when um, the quarterback drills comes up. But overall, I think Joe Burrow is pretty much guaranteed for the. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's. You mentioned with the speed, like, that's kind of where – he may not be, like, a fast yeah. quarterback, but he's kind of in that range of where QBs are moving today, like, have a, a decent amount of mobility. There's not as much pocket passers anymore. Like, I know we see kind of like Brady, but that's kind of a dying breed. Like, there's it's a lot more mobile QBs. Like, even Mahomes. Mahomes isn't really considered a running QB, but he's still but he mobile can, enough yeah. to get out of the pocket. We saw him run for a touchdown against the Titans. So, I think I think he Burrow has enough speed to, to fit – where the NFL QB is going at this point. So, because the number one is essentially solidified, mm-hmm. who do you think, especially because this is a, uh, I think this is a relatively decent quarterback class, right? So, um, the next biggest name in terms of quarterbacks, Tua. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys project him going? Uh, that's, that's a tough one because I, I think the Dolphins really do like him. And... I can see, I could see him going to Detroit and sitting under Stafford, but I don't think Detroit wants to move on from Stafford. I think they probably feel that if they could get someone like a cornerback like Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, that they could still, if they build that defense a little bit more, get another shot at this thing with Stafford and not having to go to, to Tua. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't, I don't really think that'll happen. So I'm going to go with Tua to the Dolphins, I think. Um, I like that. I like. I like where the Dolphins are at. They got a lot of picks, and they're they're going to be making a lot of moves. I, I like their coach Brian Flores. We saw what he did with that team in the second half of the year. But just in in terms of Tua, I'm gonna go with with the Dolphins right now, and I think Herbert will go right after that. Yeah, but I, like I, like most people are saying the Dolphins. Sorry, but um, if you look at what the Dolphins have right now, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one year deal, right? And then they also have um, what's his name? Josh Rosen. Yeah, Josh Rosen. And I've heard that the Dolphins are actually pretty confident with Josh Rosen. He's been improving slowly. And we, we know that Josh Rosen's a decent quarterback. Yeah, for sure. It's just that, you know, they put him, they put him in a very um, complex system in Arizona early on. Like, they even said that Josh Rosen was, like, manipulating plays. He was calling audibles at the line of scrimmage. He was uh, checking protections. He was switching um, run plays and the different gra- gaps he was running through. You don't put a rookie quarterback through that much stress. You, you just don't, unless you want to see, like, a failure. So I think Rosen was put into a bad situation, but he has tremendous skill. And if, if the Miami trusts him, which they do, and he keeps developing, I do think Rosen could be the, the, the solution for Miami's quarterback problem. But if, let's say, Brian Flores isn't as confident with him, right, then I think Tua is a good option. But the problem with Tua is he's coming off an injury. And you a pretty brutal injury. Maybe you sit him under Ryan Fitzpatrick for yeah. and help him see, see. The only reason I could maybe see them sticking with Rosen is, is if they want to solidify another spot. And maybe their thinking is like, okay, we're going to give Rosen a shot this year. If you don't step up, we're going to go get our guy in Lawrence or Fields next year. That's, that would really be my only logic to not do that because we haven't totally seen a ton from Rosen yet. So I, if, if they've got another guy that they really like, they can solidify another spot, okay, maybe give Rosen a chance this year. And then if, if he fails, then you have to go get Lawrence or Fields next year. 
Um, I, I want to talk about the Packers, who the, the GM said that they would like to take a quarterback with whatever the 22nd pick, 24th <laughs> pick. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about Aaron Rodgers. Because um, Aaron Rodgers, he did decline this year. I don't know whether or not the re uh, record reflected that. He did decline. Um, and, you know, when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers back in 2004, it was the same way with Brett Favre. He was 35. Rodgers is 35 now. And he didn't like when they drafted his heir. I don't think Rodgers is going to like it. But the the kid that they, no one's been talking about, the kid, none of the GMs in the NFL have been talking about uh, Jordan Love at uh, Utah yeah, State. Yeah. And um, had he had the year that he had last year as a sophomore, this year as a junior, he would be a top five pick. But he had a crappy O-line. He didn't have great receivers. He didn't have a good defense. And their record reflected that. And um, I think that's who the Packers are going to go after. I think that's going to be the steal of the draft. I think the Packers overall. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he did. He definitely did decline. You should also have to look at the weapons and the system that the Packers not run. It's a it's a run based offense in Green Bay right now. But the reason I don't think Rodgers has declined so much is if you look at his footwork, his his accuracy, and you know different decisions that he makes, he's still there. It's just that I don't think he has the the mobility he once had to be able to make those kinds of plays. But, um, yeah, I do think that Green Bay – Green Bay has a history of having great quarterbacks and not doing much with them, Favre and Rodgers. So, rings. yeah, over like 30 years. So it's kind of disappointing what Green Bay has done. So My, yeah. my thinking on that situation is if Green Bay had missed the playoffs for another year, I think then they would have got the quarterback. The only thing is they were 13-3 again a game away from the Super Bowl. Now a game they got destroyed in, but they were a game away from the Super Bowl. I would think they would be like, okay, what – what one player can we get in this first round to maybe take us to the next to next level? I don't know if if their GM Ted Thompson is going to pass on a chance to to get that team to the Super Bowl in terms of the future. Like, do you get what I'm saying? I don't yeah. I don't know what his thing is. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they go get Jordan Love, but I just don't know if he has the guts to go and make that move. Maybe if they if they go out and have they don't have that success, maybe then you go get a QB next year. But I'm. It's just tough because tough they were they were close last year. Is I don't know if they're gonna want to sacrifice a pick to 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 get someone for the future. I just think that the Packers they it was just a really specific way that they had uh, they'd won like almost every game. And when you become that specific team, it, it's hard to win in the NFL. And that's the the Chiefs weren't like that. The Chiefs were able to do pretty much everything on the football field. And um, the Packers they just need more depth. Right now, and I think that starts from the quarterback position, where you, if you can, if you can have someone as an heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, just learn the offense, going down the road. I, I think it's just gonna, it's gonna make sure that the Packers are able to remain dominant for however long that they want to be. And also, I kind of just thought of this as we were talking. It's, it's making me lean out now a little bit more towards. I know I just said don't take QB, but now I'm starting to think about it. The Packers had a lot of things go their way this year. The way. They, they got in – first of all, they were playing on a, th on a third place, maybe even fourth place. I can't remember if they were behind the lines. They were playing on a, on, a, on a lower in the division schedule. And the way things worked out with Seattle losing to Arizona late in the year, Green Bay slipped its way into a bye. And then in their first game got to play Seattle, who had absolutely no run game because all their running backs got hurt. So just – I know they got to the NFC Championship, and I was contradict everything I just said about two minutes ago. But they did have some really good circumstances last year. And – so I, I guess that's why I could also see them getting, getting a QB. I just, I, as you were talking, I, kind of, I started thinking a little bit more of what went down last year. And they, they did have a lot of stuff go their way. So we'll, we'll see what they do in the draft.
Yeah, we will see. And that's all we have for you guys today. Don't forget to join us in two weeks as we approach the start of the NLB season and we get closer to the end of the NBA regular season. Once again, my name is Andrew. This is Ben Sahishnu Anaraj, and this has been Down to the...